Welcome to Laces Out, an NFL podcast that goes over everything football. Here to talk all things football is your host Suhaib. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of this show. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Laces Out. I am your host, Suhaib, and today I have an exciting show lined up for you guys. After a wild week two, I am going to be going over game by game, giving my key takeaways from each game, and then after that, you know, continuing the new segment that I brought up last in last week's episode, um, I will be going over studs and duds of the week, looking ahead to Thursday Night Football, and then wrapping it all up. But yeah, pretty straightforward show, can't wait to get into it, but before we begin... I just wanted to remind that for our first-time listeners, Laces Out is an NFL podcast that goes over everything football. So if you're an NFL fan, this podcast is right for you. Where can you find us? You know, we're available on all the major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so much more. How you can find us is at Laces Out on those major podcast platforms. Have Instagram or Twitter. We are available on there as well. We are available on Instagram at Laces Out NFL. And then on Twitter, we are available at Laces Out NFL Pod. Why is it two different usernames? Don't ask me. That's what I had to do. You know, apparently someone has one username on Instagram. And then uh, it was just, just a long story short. You know, I just had to add NFL pod to the one on Twitter. Whereas Instagram is at least on NFL. Anyways, Instagram has a ton of content. So make sure to follow us there. And our Twitter has content for when we release our podcast episode. So you never miss a beat as well. But yeah, enough with the introduction. Let's get right into it. Let's start off with the games. First things first, we'll start off with the Carolina Panthers at the New York Giants. The Carolina Panthers are 0-2. The New York Giants, the New York Giants are 2-0 after winning this game 19-16. Brian Dable is doing, honestly, he's doing a really good job out in New York. You know, it's not, does this really mean anything? Are they playoff contenders? Probably not. But, you know, they won a game they weren't expected to win in Tennessee. They won a game, you know, that was more 50-50 this week, and now they're 2-0, and they could possibly be 3-0 as they host the Dallas Cowboys next week in Monday Night Football. You know, from the Panthers' side of the ball, Baker ain't it. I'm sorry, man. I thought, you know, fresh start, you know, a fresh set of weapons, CMC, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall. It just isn't working out for Baker, and it just seems like his time as a starter in the NFL is probably finished. If you're Carolina, you don't really have any other option right now. It's just you're stuck with Baker, but at the end of the day, Baker ain't it. All the hype around him bouncing back. I'm sorry. But, you know, a place where Carolina can start, you know, right now they're 0-2. Matt Rule is is hot. Is, C is hotter than ever. You know, if there's a way he can fix it, the first thing you can do is getting by getting DJ more and more involved. You know, no pun intended. But, you know, three catches, 43 yards, and a touchdown for your wide receiver one. Baker Mayfield's a gunslinger, and, you know, yeah, I get you have CMC. However, DJ Moore is one of your best weapons behind. He is your best weapon behind CMC, and to, for him to only have three catches for 43 yards, you got to get him more involved if you want to have any shot at winning any game in the NFL now because in order to win, you got to get your best guys involved and involved pretty often, and that's something Carolina has failed to do, and that is frankly why they're 0-2 to start the season. But yeah, New York Giants are 2-0, and the Carolina Panthers are 0-2. Moving on to the next game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers headed 
they head into New Orleans and absolutely, you know, dominate the Saints from start to finish. The score doesn't really indicate how close the game was. And, you know, I mean, it was it was a boring game. I'm not even going to get into it, man. Other than the fight, there wasn't much. Buccaneers won by 10. Mike Evans suspended one game. Not much to talk about in that game. However, this game, though, this was arguably the game of the week. Miami Dolphins head into Baltimore down 35 to... 35, 40, no, 28 to 7, and then 35 to 14, and they come back and beat the Baltimore Ravens 42 to 38. What a game. This is let's just let's just break this down. Shout out to Atagavailoa, man. After a terrible start where he threw two picks, it's like, okay, you know, Tua Tua's going up against one, you know, one of, you know, one of the harder teams in the schedule, and you know, it's starting to show out. However, after those two picks, he kind of settled down and he led an insane comeback. Going 36 for 50, 469 yards, and six touchdowns. Six touchdowns, man. I I got to admit, you know, I did not expect to ahead this in him. And, you know, I'm going to be the first to, you know, admit I was I was, I was pretty spe- – oh, man, I can't talk. Spe- skeptical. Skeptical of, of Tua. And he went out and he absolutely balled against a really solid Baltimore Ravens defense. Yeah, they were dealing with injuries in the secondary. However, Tua, man, did his thing. Yeah, I shout out to you, I mean, It means not – with us today, but you know, I got I, I had to shout out and use his nickname. However, back to Tua, man. You know, he has an interesting stat that you know from this game that I was really, really intrigued to see, really surprised. And you know, he went four for five for 155 yards and three touchdowns on passes targeted 20 or more yards down the field. When you think of Tua, you know, there's always the jokes. You know, noodle arm. What is Ty- Tyreek is always going to have to you know drop back to catch a pass from Tua. However, this stat shows Tua, man. Uh, you know that nickname stuck in my head. I'm gonna just use it. To a man can sling the can sling the rock, and man, he, that's a solid stat. 80% completion percentage on passes targeted 20 or more yards down the field to go along with three touchdowns and 155 yards. Shout out to a man. And then you know you can't you can't talk about this Dolphins offense without the receivers. Tyreek and Waddle both had themselves a game. Both had 11 catches each. Tyreek, 190 yards and two touchdowns. Jalen Waddle continues his hot streak to start the season. 171 yards and two touchdowns, which raises the question right now. Are they the best wide receiver duo in the NFL right now? I think yes. You know, what teams, you know, would they go up against? The Bengals, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Right now, I take Tyreek and Waddle um, off the top of my head. You know, there aren't, you know, such duos that really have an impact in the game such as Tyreek and Jalen Waddle do. And I feel like they're such a dynamic duo and they complement each other so well. You know, Jalen Waddle getting those short intermediate throws and Tyreek just taking the top off the defense and it showed what kind of ceiling they have. And with a guy like Mike McDaniels calling the calls, that Dolphins offense has like the sky's the limit. And if Tua plays the way he plays, they can have a really good offense and they can have a really good team and compete for a playoff spot in a relatively wide open AFC. On the other side of the football, though, I feel I got you got to really feel for Lamar Jackson. He had himself a game. He did everything he could. Yet his defense screwed him over. Something that was pretty common last season, and it continued onto this season. Lamar had himself a game for his life. You know, in a contract year, the man's been balling the first two games. However, his defense has sold him this game. Not particularly last game. You know, it was against the Jets. However, this game, Lamar did everything he could, and he was just you know left out to dry by a really poor Baltimore defense. However, you know, main takeaway from this game is Tua legit. I don't know. This is a, you know, a huge showing by him. 
We'll find out next week, though, when they go up against Buffalo. That's going to be a really exciting game to follow, and I can't wait to break that down more in future episode. Moving on, though. The New York Jets head into Cleveland and upset the Cleveland Browns. How did the Browns lose this? At one point, they had a 99.9% chance to win, and they managed to lose. Up 13, with about a minute and a half left, and you managed to lose a game. Jets score a touchdown. All right, you know, it's fine. How 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 often, you know, does a team recover an onside kick? Lo and behold, the Jets recovered an onside kick, and Joe Flacco, who had himself a game, by the way. Shout out Joe Flacco. Still elite. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> he led them down, led them to a game-winning drive, and led them to a victory over Cleveland where they practically snatched it. And, you know, there's so many what-ifs in this game, none bigger than the one where Nick Chubb could have, should have, should have, would have, could have. But if Nick Chubb stayed in bounds, does Cleveland win the game? Yeah. However, he didn't. Went for the touchdown. Teams, more likely than not, still don't lose in that situation. Up 13 with about a minute and a half left. Yet the Cleveland Browns managed to lose, and it all goes back to that Nick Chubb decision where he shouldn't have scored the touchdown. He just should have stayed in bounds, let the clock run. Yet here we are. He stayed. He scored a touchdown. Browns lose this game, and it just raises the question about what if. But, you know, it happened. Cleveland Browns blew it. Shout-out Joe Flacco. Shout-out Garrett Wilson in his return to Ohio. He had himself a game. Joe Flacco, just for people that don't know, 370 yards, four touchdowns, zero picks. That's a solid, solid performance and you know for a guy that many people didn't expect to start he's been holding his own and a Jets team that is waiting for that is awaiting the return of Zach Wilson anyways though moving on to the next game the Washington Commanders at Detroit Lions Detroit comes out with a victory 36 to 27 is this the best Lions performance in like recent memory you know the Lions looked so dominant in that first half especially it makes you think when were they this dominant? Yeah, they had a really great team in 2014. Yeah, they made playoffs in 2016 and 2012. However, I haven't seen a Lions performance in which they dominated on the offensive side of the ball. They were able to do whatever they want and on the defensive side of the ball. I think Washington only had a f- one first down in the first half. That that defense, after getting absolutely demolished by Philadelphia, who, by the way, t- you know we'll talk about later, but they are a really good team. That defense stepped up. And they stepped up in a big way, basically suffocating the commanders, you know, getting pressure on every other play, if not every single play. Aiden Hutchinson Aiden Hutchinson showed out, showed why he's the number two overall pick, getting three sacks in the first half. You know, this was this isn't the Lions of the old of the old. You know, will this does this mean anything for like this season? Probably not. But this shows, you know, with Jared Goff at helm, they could have a solid offense. This offense has scored thirty or more points. In the first two games and if i'm not mistaken i think they have 30 35 or more points in the first in the last four games so you know this offense is impressive and shout out ben johnson one of the young play callers in the league you know he's he's been relatively solid in his first two games and this offense has looked really good you add back frank rag now you get back jonah jackson who mind you they were both missing this game and the lions offense still look dominant you add them you bring back um you bring those two back you add them you add jameson williams to this offense and could this offense be top 10? Probably. You know, they have the weapons. If everyone stays healthy, this offense could arguably be a top 10 offense in the league. And I would not be shocked whatsoever. On the defensive side of the ball, 
they just did their thing. Shout out to them. You know, they're missing their number one corner in Amani. And they still balled out. Second half, Washington kind of tightened things up a bit. Kind of thought like, you know, oh no, like Lions will blow this lead again. However, no, this isn't the Lions closed out a game. And, a, and then a game they were favored and they won this game. Shout out the Lions. You know, we'll see what this amounts to. But next week they got a tough one in Minnesota. We'll see how that turns out. Anyways, moving on to Jacksonville. This is a shock. The Jacksonville Jaguars shut out the Indianapolis Colts and beat them 24-0. What is going on with the Colts? Things aren't right. You know, they bring in Matt Ryan. You know, they bring in Matt Ryan to take that next step on offense. And if anything, their offense has taken a step back. What may be the reason for that? One explanation that makes sense to me, Carson Wentz's rushing ability is the only difference here. You know... Matt Ryan is the better passer, don't get me wrong. However, Carson Wentz is a solid passer. Not as good as Matt Ryan. However, he adds a mobile aspect to that offense that opens up so much more. A key a key reason, I mean a key fact or evidence you want to say, just, uh, Jonathan Taylor only had 54 rushing yards. He has been struggling to start the season. Yeah, you know, he, he broke out towards the end of the game against Houston, but that's Houston. No disrespect to them. But Matt Ryan's limited rushing ability kind of makes this offense more one-dimensional, if you get what I'm trying to say. However, just what is going on with Matt Ryan? Back to, just speaking of Matt Ryan alone, three interceptions, zero touchdowns. This offense has sputtered with him at the helm. It makes you wonder, did the Colts really make the right decision getting rid of Carson Wentz and bringing in Matt Ryan? Maybe it's too early to tell. Maybe I'm overreacting. But from what I've seen so far, I'm not entirely convinced that Matt Ryan is the answer to this Colts offense. And frankly, is Frank Reich the right man for the job? He's had... Uh, he has had a multitude of QBs. I'm assuming he's had the choice of picking these QBs, and none of them have panned out. And you may argue Carson Wentz may have been the better of, the best option of of the bunch, and he got rid of him. He took a he took a shot with going after Matt Ryan, and so far that hasn't worked out. I'm not. I mean, it's too hard to not overreact because. Two, they, they, they've struggled against two inferior opponents, two divisional opponents in which they were expected to win. And they were expected to be the AFC South favorites. Now I don't even know if they can win the AFC South. They, I mean, it's a, it's a bad division. However, with the way their offense has been playing, it's really, it's really hard to see the Colts making any noise in the AFC. And frankly, I don't know. It's, I may be overreacting, but it's just I'd be really worried if I was an Indianapolis fan. But enough, you know, ranting on on the Indianapolis side of the ball. Let's shout out that Jags defense. They came out with, you know, with the chip on their shoulders. They got five sacks. Shout out Josh Allen, who led the who led the defense with two sacks, and he played a terrific game. They also got three interceptions, and then they limited arguably the best running back in the game right now to 54 rushing yards. The big reason why, they had a lead, and they kept it. They limited him to only nine rushing attempts, and they really did their thing, and Frankly, shout out this Jags defense that, you know, they've gotten a, a ton of hate recently and for good reason. And for them to, you know, shout out a really solid Indianapolis Colts offense who, yes, they were missing Michael Pittman. However, they still got the best running back in the game right now. And for to limit him to 54 rushing yards, shutting out this Colts offense, that is an impressive feat. And you got to give credit where credit's due. But yeah, shout out the Jaguars. They are one one and number one in the division. Who would have thought? <laughs> but yeah, Jaguars defeating the Colts. Worry in Indianapolis. One more thing. I won't be surprised if Frank Wright, 
you know, gets fired sometime soon. The, I, w- I really would not be surprised. You know, the offense has struggled. He took a risk with Matt Ryan. It has been, hasn't panned out. And they lost to really two opponents they're expected to be favored against. Um, I, I think I think his, his C is hotter than people may think. But that's just me. Moving on. New England Patriots at the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is going to hurt going over as a Steelers fan. But, you know, I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible. Both offenses stink. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Steelers' offense is terrible. Patriots' offense is terrible. They just did just enough to win. You know, Jacoby Myers had himself a game. Nelson Aguilar, what a catch that was. But, frankly, at the end of the day, the only difference, the Patriots capitalized on the Steelers' mistakes. The Steelers didn't capitalize on the Patriots' mistakes. The muffed punt really changed the game. It was 10-6. Gunner, you know, the all-pro punt returner, he muffed the punt, gave the Patriots short field. Patriots took advantage. Steelers, they had two picks where they could have picked it off Cameron Sutton, and I can't remember the other play. But um, it's just the Steelers did not take advantage. Mitchell Trubisky isn't, you know, struggling. There, It's just he doesn't seem to have the rhythm and the chemistry he has. You know, he's supposed to have with his wide receivers, and it's it's really it's really hurting the offense. Because really, you can't blame the offense, offensive struggles on the offensive line anymore. They had a solid game. They, I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, Chuck's, Chuck Chukuma Okoro for, I don't know how to say names, forgive me guys. But um, he had he had a 84 passing grade by PFF. He was solid in, the entire offensive line did solid in pass protection. I think Mitch Trubisky was only sacked like once or twice. But anyways, the offensive line isn't to blame. It's Matt Canada and Mitch Trubisky. One of those... Or if not both of those, both of those guys, you know, they've been the big, re- the biggest reason as to why the Steelers' offense is struggling. You know, and it's kind of concerning when you got guys like Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Chase Claypool calling out the play calling, and that's kind of a worry because you need all of your offensive guys to be on the same page with your offensive coordinator in order for the offense to succeed. And if they're calling out issues and going out in public and talking about that, that is a huge problem, and it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that because. This offense sucks, and they need to figure out something because this defense is doing everything they could. But, you know, just on a side note, we may see Pickett sooner rather than later. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been pretty pretty obvious and pretty clear as to, like, they want to stick with Trubisky as long as possible. Pickett is their guy, but they want to stick with Trubisky as long as possible to let Pickett develop. But, I mean, if Trubisky keeps repeating the performances he's had the past two weeks, we may see Pickett sooner rather than later. I really, really would not be surprised if we see him by week four. There is a really solid chance Trubisky struggles so bad against Cleveland. You know, it's a, it's a Thursday night game. You know, you have an extra an extra couple days before the next Sunday game to get Kenny Pickett acclimated into the starting role. I really would not be surprised if we see Kenny Pickett by week four. That's just me. We'll see. Mike Tomlin seemed a bit hesitant as to making a switch right away, but you never know. If Trubisky has another terrible performance, then they may be forced into making this QB switch sooner rather than later. And then just one more thing, bro. TJ Watt, this shows his importance to this team. This team is nothing without him. And TJ Watt is that guy. TJ Watt is that guy. Moving on, though. Seattle Seahawks at San Francisco 49ers. Geno Magic <laughs> wiped off a bit. San Francisco wins this game 27-7. to But the biggest news coming out of San Francisco is Trey Lance's injury. He is out for the season. I'm not going to go into details. That was a gruesome injury. I really feel for Trey Lance. I really am wishing for a speedy recovery from him, and I hope he comes back to at full strength because I really feel for the guy. I think this is going to be like his third year without 
consistent football year round if you include his the covid year his college years and whatnot but really really unfortunate for trey lance and you know i really i'm really wishing for a speedy recovery but what this does show though the jimmy g signing paid off big time people were questioning you know why bring back jimmy g when he's not gonna play you know you're not showing confidence in trey lance and this is the reason they brought him back for a moment like this trey lance is a mobile qb so his injury risk was pretty high compared to other qbs and they took a risk with bringing back jimmy g after he requested a trade and it actually panned out the way not i'm not gonna say the way they expected but this actually panned out and worked out right for san francisco now they have a solid starting qb in place and you may argue i mean based off what i've seen the team is more confident in jimmy g based off what i've seen and heard they're more confident in jimmy g and believe he's more likely to lead him to more wins compared to trey lance but the Jimmy G signing paid off big time, and we'll see how that changes the San Francisco 49ers season. Moving on, the Los Angeles Rams and Atlanta Falcons. They went up. They went it. They went at it. The game was closer than I thought. Atlanta Falcons, shout out to them. They've been competitive the first two games. They arguably could have won. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I expect them to be 0-2, but I didn't expect them to be as competitive as they are, and shout out to them. But I'm I'm still worried about the Rams. I thought this would be a get-right game. It started off as a get-right game. The offense looked, you know, like they were humming. And the Falcons just kind of stayed in it, and they chipped at it, and they arguably could have won the game at the end if it wasn't for Jalen Ramsey's heroics. But I'm kind of worried about this Rams team. They were I expected them to come out with a vengeance, come out and take, take care of the Atlanta Falcons relatively easy, and they just didn't do that. And it's kind of concerning because... The Rams are going to have to perform better if they want to have any chance of replicating last season's success. And yeah, you know, Cooper Cup is still him. Shout out to him. But Cooper Cup can't be doing this every single week. They need other guys to step up. They need Allen Robinson to step up. They need that run game to step up. They just need to, they need that offensive line to step up. Just need to figure it out out in Los Angeles because the games are going to get even more difficult throughout the season. And if they, especially if they want to repeat, they're going to need to figure out something and figure out something fast out in Los Angeles. Staying in the West Coast, let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals and the Las Vegas Raiders game. One, it's another crazy game in a wild week too. Raiders were up 17-0 at one point and they were up 23-7 in the fourth quarter. You're thinking, oh, this game is done. I was honestly thinking, is Cliff Kingsbury going to make it out of the week with a job? The Cardinals looked that bad in the first quarter, two quarters, first three quarters, arguably. But then the fourth quarter, they flipped the switch. Kyler took over, showed why he got paid as one of the highest highest QBs, highest paid QBs in the NFL. And he just absolutely took over and carried this Atlanta, not Atlanta, what am I saying? Arizona Cardinals team to a much needed, a huge victory out in Las Vegas. That just so many, so many different plays that really changed the complexity of this game. You know, one was that 22nd play for the two-point conversion to make it 23-15. One was that Kyler Murray, you know, absolutely throwing a dime to A.J. Green for that two-point conversion. Whether it was, you know, the forced fumble, you know, the Arizona Cardinals defense stepping up when they needed to the most. Just so many factors factored into that Arizona Cardinals comeback win. And then for the on the other side of the ball, Devontae Adams only two catches for 12 yards. Yeah, he got a touchdown, but, you know, that was like a weird one-yard one pass. If you're gonna if you're gonna want to compete and especially in a competitive AFC West, 
you're going to have to get your best player involved more. It's similar to what I said about DJ Moore. First game, they involved him a ton. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, Devontae Adams is not going to lose the, lose the amount of volumes. And then here we are week two, only two catches for 12 yards on seven targets. That's not going to cut it. You paid this man as the number one receiver in the game. He better get at least 10 targets. And it's not like it's going to ruin, you know, the team. No, he's he's give him 10 targets and he'll get you like eight catches for like 150 yards. Just give him the ball more and you got to be more accurate with him. There were some throws where Derek Hart just missed and, you know, they just got to find a way to get Devontae Adams more involved if they want to turn their season around because, you know, 0-2 in the AFC West, that's not going to cut it. Anyways, moving on to the next game. Cincinnati Bengals at the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas won this game. To the surprise of many, they went out with Cooper Rush. Who balled out, by the way, man? Shout out to Cooper Rush. 19 for 31, 235 yards and a touchdown and one and a game-winning drive. However, the Dallas Cowboys shocked many and beat the reigning AFC champions. Let's talk about it from both sides of the ball. As, let's start off with the winning team. Dallas Cowboys, Cooper Rush did his thing. 19, as I said, 19 for 31, 235 yards and a touchdown along with a game-winning drive. However, one thing I wanted to point out, Tony Pollard has got to get more touches. I feel like he is a more explosive running back of the two. Zeke is, has a higher draft pedigree, and that's about it. I feel like Tony Pollard looks more explosive when he gets the ball. He There was a play where he almost broke out for a 50-yard run. Turned out to be a 49-yard run. He punched it in himself. You know, Tony Pollard just seems like the better option. The offense flows a bit more. You can just rotate, you know, have Zeke be the short yardage guy, and then have Pollard be like the every, every down guy, you know? I feel like just... Tony Pollard needs to get more split. Make a 60-40 for Tony Pollard instead of, I think right now, like off the top of my head, it looks like a 60-40 split for Zeke. And I just feel like Pollard needs to get more touches than Zeke. And he showed why, you know. As I said, looks more explosive, looks more, you know, likely to break out for the big play, whereas Zeke, you know, he'll get you those short, tough yardage. So I feel like the Cowboys need to manage that a bit better. But shout out to Cowboys defense. You know, uh, they, they, they did their thing. Let's leave it at that. They had six sacks. They limited this explosive Bengals offense. There were times in the second half where it seemed like the Bengals would just take over, and then the Cowboys just held on. They held on and kept them to, like, a field goal. There were times when, like, you think, all right, Cincinnati's just going to take over. Where, but, like, the Dallas defense, they they just had a bend-but-don't-break approach, and that really kept them in the game, kept them in the game. When the offense was struggling, they kept them in the game, and ultimately it led to a victory at the end. As for Cincinnati, the defense did their thing as they did week one. But the offensive side of the ball, is it time to worry about Cincinnati? 13 sacks allowed the first two games. Even their terrible offensive line last year didn't wasn't this bad. You know, they added all those all those new pieces on the offensive line, spent a ton of money. Yet Joe Burrow has not had any time in the pocket. And uh, frankly, this offensive line has looked worse. Could you argue they just need time to gel? You know, it's the first couple of weeks. Maybe. However, it's just really concerning to see, you know, a high-powered offense really struggling and the offensive line continuing to be the main reason of the of their struggles. But frankly, next up for Cincinnati, the New York Jets, I think if they lose that game, then you start to worry. However, it's just really unfortunate the way they lost. They've just started really bad in both in the first two weeks and second half they've looked they've looked to like take that next step. However, they just haven't fully, you know, dominated teams like they were expected to. Now we'll see how they go up against the Jets. Will they dominate? Will they show that they are the team that needs... Will they show... If they lose to the Jets, then I'd be worried. But as of now, I'm not I'm not too worried about Cincinnati yet. 
Moving on to the next game, Houston Texans head into Denver for Russell Wilson's home opener, and they lost 16-9. to Yes, 16-9. to the Houston, the Houston Texans made a competitive. Sure, the De- Denver Broncos won, but they definitely look bad. You know, in a relatively strong AFC West, yeah, they have a better record than the Raiders. I think they're the worst team in the division. You know, the Raiders, although they're 0-2, as I said, they arguably versed stronger teams. Not arguably, they did versed stronger teams, the Chargers and the Cardinals. And they were like a minute away from, not even a play away from being 1-1 one one against the Arizona Cardinals. I just think like so many factors for Denver. It's like Russell Wilson has struggled to start the season. The coaching and game management has been horrendous. You know, three delay of game penalties. You know it's bad when the home crowd is counting down the play clock out loud. So, it's just, I don't know. Nathaniel Hackett has not had a great start to his head coaching career. And it's kind of worrisome because of the decisions he's making. He His game management has been really bad. You know, he's been managing the time really, you know, terribly wrong. And something's got to give because it looks like Russell Wilson just is just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just he hasn't looked the same. And something's got to give because Denver is in a relatively tough division. And they they play the, they play a really good San Francisco 49ers team next week, Sunday Night Football. So it's going to be, you know, another, another tough test for them. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they bounce back after two terrible performances. Yeah, you're one and one. Yeah, you won this week. However, something's got to give because Denver has looked really, really bad the first two weeks. All right, let's move on to the primetime games. Chicago Bears at Green Bay Packers. Green Bay won 27-10. Another Sunday night football blowout between the Packers and Bears. The sky is blue. Nothing different. But one thing, though, no way Justin Fields only has 11 pass attempts and you're down for the majority of the game. How does that make, make sense? Matt Eberflus, like, Make it make sense to me. Justin Fields, who's a solid passer, he's a he's your franchise QB, and you only limit him to eleven passes, and you were it's not like you were up or anything. You were down for majority of the game. Other than being up seven zero in the beginning, you were down after that and haven't had a chance, and you only passed it eleven times. That makes no sense in today's NFL. It's a more modern game, more pass heavy game. Yeah, you only have eleven pass attempts and you were down. I just don't understand the logic behind that. I feel I feel so bad for Justin Fields. And it's just really, really unfortunate that he's in such a bad situation. Just let him be him. Let him do his thing. It's oh my god, man. It just it's just so mind-boggling. I just don't know what to say. I'm not gonna go into tangent. I just feel for Justin Fields. That's all I'm gonna say. I'll leave it at that. Moving on. Tennessee Titans at Buffalo Bills. Buffalo absolutely rocked them. They beat the Super Bowl champs and the and the number one seed in the AFC from the past season back to back weeks, and they absolutely dominated them. They won forty one to seven. They look absolutely scary, man. It's so my God, bro. Like I thought Bills would be really good. They'd be the number one seed, but I never thought they'd be this good. Allen to Diggs is looking like the best duo in the league right now. Their defense is insane. Their offense is insane. Everything is clicking for Buffalo, and they just look scary, man. They look like the team to be right now, and. It's really not that far-fetched to see them go 17-0. I, the way if they play like this every week, no team is beating them. But, you know, on the other side of the ball, Ryan Tannehill has struggled. He's looked really bad. Derrick Henry's not looking the same. You know, it kind of raises the question, if Derrick Henry struggles, does this Titans offense struggle? Yeah. And that's, that's still, even this year, 
especially with with AJ Brown not there. This offense has been really bad, and Derrick Henry's struggles is a huge component, and that is something that we all know, and that's something that continues to plague this Tennessee Titans team, and that's going to continue to plague them until they find a way to take that next step without Derrick Henry. Now they're 0-2, and don't look now. This team is you know, reeling right now, and it's not going to get any easier anytime soon for Tennessee. As for Buffalo, they're just insane, man. And then the other game in the Monday Night Football doubleheader, Philadelphia Eagles and Minnesota Vikings. Typical Kirk gonna Kirk on Monday Night Football. He has a two and ten record, not just a terrible performance. Three interceptions, looked really bad the entire game. They lost twenty four to seven. Philadelphia though, Jalen Hurts MVP case. I don't know. I feel like it's too early. However, he's he's stating his case after two solid weeks. Twenty six for thirty one, three hundred thirty three yards and three total touchdowns. One passing, two rushing. One of those rushing touchdowns was a twenty six yard run to where he broke multiple tackles and fought for the goal line. And he basically showed that... These past two weeks have showed that Jalen Hurts can be the guy for Philly. And, you know, the passing offense has looked solid. The rushing the rushing attack still looks amazing. This this Philadelphia Eagles offense has looked good. And shout out Nick Sirianni, man. He's been terrific as a coach for Philadelphia in that defense. That defense did their thing, man, especially Darius Slay. Locking up Justin Jefferson, kept him under 50 yards, and he had two picks as well, you know. This this defense did their thing, and frankly, the Philadelphia Eagles are are looking really good. They are looking as a they're looking like a contender, and all the memes of, you know, Philly and Buffalo Super Bowl break in the internet. Let's let's settle down with that. You know, Buffalo maybe, you know, they're the favorites in the AFC. However, I don't I just don't think and Philadelphia is, you know, considered an NFC favorite yet. Yeah, they are 2-0. Yeah, they beat a solid Minnesota Vikings team. However, you know, it's Minnesota and Detroit. They are going to verse some tougher teams later on. But, you know, Philadelphia is 2-0. They look really good. And that's all you can ask for for a Philly fan. You know, this is they have hope for the first time in a very long time. And they look really, really good. But, yeah, that wraps up the game-by-game takeaways that went you know, longer than expected, but, you know, it was a wild week too, and I felt like I had to break it down a little more than compared to other weeks. But let's move on to the next segment, studs of the week and our duds of the week. Start us off with the studs. I You really can't start, you can't say the studs of the week without this Dolphins trio. Tua Tagovailoa, 36 for 50, 469 yards, six touchdowns and two interceptions. He did his thing. After those two picks, he looked nearly unstoppable. Shout out to uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I talked, I spoke about them earlier, 11 receptions each. Tyreek had 190 yards and two touchdowns, whereas Jalen Waddle had 171 yards and two touchdowns, along with the game-winning touchdown catch. They both looked insane. Tua looked insane. That Dolphins offense looks insane. And then Stephon Diggs. <laughs> you really thought I'd have you know the segment without shouting out Stephon Diggs. 12 receptions, 148 yards, and three touchdowns. Man, oh man, Stephon Diggs is putting in a case for being the best receiver in the game, and he's looked the part in the first two weeks going up against. You know, Jalen Ramsey the first game and absolutely torching him. And then the Titans secondary, whoever was guarding him throughout, you know, it was multiple guys. However, he did his thing. Three touchdowns, 148 yards on 12 receptions. He is the number one guy in Buffalo, and he may be the number one guy in the NFL. And then out in Detroit, Amonor St. Brown, another solid, uh, arguably another great game for him. Nine receptions, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. Continues his streak of eight receptions. I think it's, I don't know the exact amount, but he's amongst... Solid company in Mike Thomas, Antonio Brown, those type of company for the most consecutive games for 
most consecutive games with eight or more receptions. But you know, shout out to Monter St. Brown. He has that. He's he has that if factor for that Lions offense, and he is a wide receiver one, and he is playing some really good football right now. And then you've got to shout out the defensive players. You got to show them some love. Darius Slay. I talked about him earlier. Let me just give you some stats on Justin Jefferson versus Darius Slay. He shadowed him on 37% of the plays, you know, five targets, one reception, seven yards, two picks. That's insane. For a guy that, you know, we were just saying he's the best receiver in the game. He still is. Don't get me wrong, Justin Jefferson. Him and Stephon Diggs are like one and two for me right now. But he locked up Justin Jefferson. Could you argue, you know, his Kirk Cousins having a bad game? You could argue that. However, you got to give a, a special shout out to Darius Slay. He locked up one of the best, if not the best receiver in the game right now. And then on the other side, duds of the week. These guys did absolutely horrible this week. Kirk Cousins, 27 for 46, 221 yards, touchdown and three picks. You may think that's odd. No, Kirk Cousins looked really bad. Russell Wilson, 14 for 31, 219 yards, a touchdown and an interception. As I said earlier, he looked horrendous. I'm not even going to say anything. And then Mitch Trubisky, 21 for 33, 168 yards, a touchdown and an interception. He looked really bad other than that touchdown drive. He just looked they just look out of sync out in Pittsburgh. And Mitch Trubisky, just, yeah, he's got to change or else he's going to lose that starting job very soon. And then Darnell Mooney, one catch, negative four yards. He's a wide receiver one, by the way. Could you argue, you know, the play calling sucked? Maybe. But you're the wide receiver one. Justin Fields throws 11 times. You've got to get majority of those catches. One reception and negative four yards. He didn't even get zero yards, man. It's negative four. It's just a terrible game. He is the biggest dead of the week, honestly. But yeah, that is it for that segment, Studs and Duds of the Week. Let me know who your Studs and Duds are. And um, yeah, let's move on to the final segment. Give a, Let's take a quick look ahead to the Thursday Night Football matchup. Steelers head into Cleveland to verse the Cleveland Browns. Jadavian, I mean, this is a matchup between two AFC North teams that lost really tough games at home, both, different, both for different reasons. Uh, injury update on the Steelers' side. The only biggest injury concern is Devin Bush. However, he was limited. Um, he's expected to be limited in practice, and he I don't know how what his status for the game is, but the Cleveland Browns already ruled out Jadavian Clowney, Jesse James, among the most notable. Jadavian Clowney is the biggest notable name, already been ruled out. So that's going to be interesting to see how that defense, which has been playing relatively solid, let's see how, we'll see how that affects them. But... You know, look, taking a look at this game, the Steelers offense need to show something. They need to show some sort of, you know, some sh- some some sort of, you know, bite or just like show some sort of pride. That's the word, pride. We'll, we'll stick to that. They need to show. They need to show something, and they need to show that they are, you know, not a laughing stock. Because offensive line, they did their thing. They did what they could. You have. Really solid weapons. You have a really solid trio in George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool, and you know include Pat, Pat Fryermuth and Najee Harris. This offense shouldn't be the worst offense in the league, is what I'm trying to say. Mitch Trubisky has to figure it out, and he needs to figure it out fast because Kenny Pickett is waiting in the wings. And this Pittsburgh Steelers crowd—they already chanting for Kenny Pickett in Week Two. Imagine just look—the performances just get worse and worse, and you're just not gonna—you're not gonna get any help from that Steelers offense, or from that from that Steelers crowd, and. You know, just to, just talking about Trubisky, he doesn't look like a confident player right now. He's just throwing off his back foot. He's, you know, being really hesitant, being really conservative. He just needs to push the ball down the field. And I, I found it kind of interesting what he said earlier today. It's where he doesn't have the ability to audible some plays. That's really bad for a veteran. You know, you expect him to, like, be given the opportunity to make change at the line of scrimmage. But 
I'm not going to get into that. This is just a quick look ahead to Thursday Night Football. As for the Browns side of the ball, the offense should just keep doing what they've been doing. You know, they've been relatively solid. They've been doing their thing. Jacoby Brissett has not looked awful. He's looked like a really solid placeholder QB. And honestly, I feel like the Browns should take a page out of the Pets playbook. Just get those short yardage. You know, just don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over. Don't give the Steelers a short field. Make their offense work for it. And they should just run the ball all day. You got Nick Chubb. You got Kareem Hunt. And that's really what the Patriots did. Just run, run. And then a drag route. Boom. And then one deep pass. Touchdown. Just really methodical. Don't turn the ball over. That's what the Browns need to do. And then I feel like that would help them win the game. But... You know, that on both sides of the ball, the defense, especially the linebackers for the Browns, they stepped up last game, and I expect them to do the same. You know, as for X-Factors, on the Steelers' side of the ball, Alex Highsmith slash Malik Reed. I think the Steelers' edge-rushing duo, they, they struggled last game, last week, and that they it kind of showed the impact T.J. Watt has on this defense. They had zero sacks last week, and the Steelers, you know, they're a team that usually leads the league in sacks. It's kind of, you know, unlike them to not get any sacks. And they really struggled. And if they want to have a chance at winning this game, they need uh, Alex Highsmith, Malik Reed to step up and fill the void left by TJ Watt, even if it's 50% of the void left by TJ Watt, and get some pressure on the QB. And frankly, play better than they played last week. I feel like if they, they generate a ton of pressure on the QB, that really changes the, out, the outcome of this game. And then on the, other side of the, on the other side of the ball, Cleveland Browns. I feel like Jacoby Brissett is the biggest X factor. He's had a really solid start to the season. I feel like if he just plays methodical situational football, doesn't turn the ball over, manages the game well. I feel like Cleveland wins this game with relative ease. As for my predictions, it's tough, you know, as much, I don't know, because, yeah, I just can't pick Pittsburgh right now. At Cleveland, primetime game, the offense is just really bad. I'm going to have to go with Cleveland. Uh, That's my prediction as of now. If there are any major injuries, it probably changes. But as of now, I am going to go Cleveland, winning this game in a low-scoring battle. I have Cleveland winning this game. Let's go 20-13. to 13. I feel like the Steelers offense struggles once again, and Cleveland just, the offense just does just enough to come out with a victory, and they beat the Steelers on Thursday night. But yeah, that is it for that segment. That is it for this entire episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to leave a good review on Apple Podcasts. Again, as a reminder, we are available on all the major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so much more. We release uh, I release an episode every Tuesdays and Saturdays, and and we also have an Instagram as well at Laces Out NFL, and then we have a Twitter as well at Laces Out NFL Pod. On Instagram, we have daily content for you, you know, daily predictions, weekly predictions, you know, power rankings. So much more content. You just check us out at Laces Out NFL. Turn on post notifications so you never know when we, so you never miss when we release an episode. That is it from my end. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode once again. Stay safe, stay well, and enjoy the rest of your week, guys.